This episode of According to Flint is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, who is proud to bring the Western lifestyle and outdoor enthusiasts together for conservation projects, enhancing elk habitat, and ensuring the future of America's hunting heritage. Visit rmef.org for more information. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this episode of According to Flint. Well, welcome to episode number 52 of our podcast, According to Flint. And thanks, as always, to our friends at Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation for all of their support of all things, According to Flint. And this episode, I bring you the 2009 PBR World Champion, Cody Lostro. He was Mr. Consistency when he was riding and now giving his knowledge and expertise as one of the coaches of the Oklahoma Freedom, one of the PBR team's teams. I've always thought he is a forgotten champion in the list of all-time greats. He wasn't flashy, did nothing fancy. He just rode bulls and a really good friend. So, please welcome world champion Cody Lostro after this message from our friends at Pendleton Whiskey. This, along with every episode of According to Flint, brought to you by Pendleton Whiskey. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, a whiskey that captures that unique spirit in every bottle. A whiskey made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood glacier water. A whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That is Pendleton Whiskey, and that's true Western tradition. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Well, welcome to episode number 52, according to Flint, and staying with a little bit of PBR theme, in a sense. Maybe our theme is old, worn-out, retired bull riders. I don't know. Hey, well, you got the right guy. I got the right guy. 2009 PBR world champion. One of the coaches of the Oklahoma team in the PBR team series, Kalo himself, Cody Lostro. You know, you used to hate that when I called you Kalo. I know, and it, it won't die. So I'll just, I'll just, <laughs> it, it was during that, it was during that whole era of couples, couples, and then J Lo was big and Kalo, and it was also Rostro. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think Rostro was the original. And then, <laughs> Was it you? Some somebody got Kalo put on the uh, the program for for an event. You know, all the bull riders would go get the program to see when we were up, and and I thought it was you put had had got them to put Kalo on there. Uh, I, no, but I wish it would have been me. But <laughs> point, but you know, the as you as we're talking about this, the point was we were around each other a lot with the because we were both enterprise team enterprise. And, yeah, uh, yeah, Team Enterprise was the thing back in the day. I think when it came, I was thinking about this the other day. With this team series, there's a real thing of unity. I, I see some of the teams, I think they go take a crap together. Honestly, I'm not sure. <laughs> but I think the original was our friend Steve Smith from Enterprise Rent-A-Car. He, he tried all those years ago almost now it's almost 20 years ago 
to have mm-hmm. a team atmosphere, didn't he? He wanted that unity. He was ahead of ahead of the time on that. Yeah, yeah. Steve, Steve kind of pioneered all that really as far as making sponsorship dollars worth a lot more and bringing that team unity. Because, I mean, you remember there was – if somebody won, the whole team won. And uh, you were definitely cheering – cheering for more than just yourself well also remember he wanted everybody dressed the same and you guys kind of stood up and said the shaps we want our own color what so he let you do different color shaps but they all had the same logo everybody wore white white shirts i had the enterprise uniform in the arena michael gaffney was kind of half was retired but he was in but we remember we'd we'd go have big lunches we'd have at world finals they gave us hats every year we went and did q a's at at the uh, main campus of enterprise we spent it really did create a unity there as far as personalities and getting to know each other i thought absolutely and honestly i felt like we got a lot closer to each other because of it and you you know the relationships are better you pull more for guys to win and then we got to have those experiences you remember when we went to boeing we went to Boeing and oh, flew yeah. the flight simulators and That's saw right. the F-18s. In St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah. I still got a picture of it, actually. Me, you, and Brian Canner standing next to a F-18 or 16, whatever they were. I have that picture, too. And uh, so we flew. Remember the simulator we flew was the big C-30 or the – what's? Oh, I'll be – somebody's going to think I'm an idiot. But it <laughs> was uh, – we, we got to land in the desert. It was the Afghanistan – desert yeah it was like a combat landing yeah scared i can say this out loud because it's my podcast it scared the shit out of me like i (laughs) i i turned it back over because i couldn't i wasn't doing good and i thought i was going to crash and it was so real that i was afraid i was afraid to do it man see yeah there was all kinds of stuff (laughs) i know and them them things now, now being retired and everything, I, I remember more and more thankful for those experiences than a lot of others, just because I'll never get to experience that again. Yeah. C-130. Does that sound right? C-130. Anyway, it was a bomber. Yeah, that sounds right. But I, I do remember the year he said, uh, okay, here's how I'm going to get you guys cheering for each other. If, if an enterprise rider wins, you all get a thousand bucks. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just get a check the next week. So it's like, come on, low stroke. <laughs> Renato, you, Renato was one. Yeah, it was Renato. Uh, heck, even Stephen Shelley, I think Cody Whitney. Yeah. Um, Tater, Tater Porter. Tater Porter. Um, Matt Bohan. I'll have to look for a picture to put on this podcast for Logan. To, uh, anyway. Um but, you know, we had a team thing back then. It, of course, it was still an individual battle for world title. But I remember Brandon Bates a few months ago. You know, he's the GM of the Oklahoma team. He said, I'm bringing in Lostro, and I'm going to shake things up. He kind of told me what he thought you would bring. What do you think you bring different? Think of all those other coaches. What do you bring different? than them besides that glorious beard that you're sporting right now. Yeah, well, that's that's the main reason, right? That's how we're shaking things up. Uh, no, honestly, everybody, all the coaches have their own opinion, you know, and they all think they're right on how to go about this. And I think a lot of our ideas are the same. Um, but 
one thing I don't think has been touched on very much in the bull riding world is the, the mental aspect of it. You know, you ask most guys, how much is mental? They say, well, 80, 90, 95%, pick a number. It's a big one. But when you ask them how much they work on that, it's next to nothing. And so we've been, we've been working on that and it is difficult. It's, it's a difficult thing to do, but I know that was hugely beneficial for my career. Uh, I felt like that's what, what pushed me over the top um, and was able to win a world title was that getting inside my head and getting my mind to work like I wanted it to. And uh, for a year, at least I, I felt like I had it perfected. I kind of, kind of screwed up later on due to other factors, but I feel like that's what I'm bringing to the table. Just my experience with that side of training in the bull riding world. And, and also I, I don't make things too, too complicated when it comes to riding bulls. It's simple. There's a few moves that ride all the bulls and we try to keep it simple. There's no reason to complicate, uh, complicate this sport. It's already, it's already tough enough as it is for these guys to do their job. When you say you had it, the mental part of it, did you go outside? Did you go to someone else? Did you read things and take care of it yourself? Or did you actually face-to-face have a sports psychologist type person in your life? Uh, I actually did have a sports psychologist. As far as I know, I was the first to get one in the PBR at least. And and beyond that, just reading reading lots of different articles about different sports and psycho- sports psychology involved in those sports. And it was almost, it was like a multi-year effort to sort through all that information figure out what works and what didn't kind of create create a program that works for riding bulls and um i, be- I believe in it 100 now it's it's simple and it works great um, hopefully we'll get to see the results of that here pretty soon with some of these guys don't, don't you think there's pushback in our industry here in our world i mean i think i maybe i'm going too deep here but our world also <laughs> consists of ranchers and farmers and, you know, the cases of emotional issues, suicide, depression, things like that in the farming and ranching, the ag world, is really, really high. Mm-hmm. Do you think in our world of men and cowboys and ranchers that there's pushback and people are afraid to get help in that, but that it ties into the mental aspect of bull riding? Don't you think there's a pushback there in our world? Oh, I a hundred percent agree. There's almost like a, a stigma against it. You know, like, I'll oh, just get tough. If you're, if you're having issues in your head, you just got to get tough. And that's not, not the case. It's just, it's just like a muscle, right? If you're, if we're not working out our muscles, right, they shrink and, and they get weak and our minds are the same way. But especially when you look at the concussions and stuff that have gone on in the bull riding world and then suicides that, that have come later on, man, we got to get that figured out we got to get that figured out and not be afraid to talk about it and, and figure out how to fix it. It's not a, it's not a something to be ashamed of. It's just a problem we need to fix. You know, what, what can we do to fix that problem? So hopefully, hopefully we're working towards that goal more and more every day. You said the exact same thing. I, I quote Ty Murray all, all the time when he, he has told me there's real, there's really not that much to it. It's pretty damn easy. However, <laughs> but he says the same thing. There's not that many, fundamentals to bull riding you just have to use them at the right times and have the mental aspect to do it correctly if people don't but i think that's an interesting statement you made guys always say hey 80 percent, 90 percent of it's mental well you getting help with that well no i mean what it's uh 
I don't know if you can generalize here, but when you look at someone, is there a common thing they're not doing uh, uh, mentally that you see all the time that you could pinpoint? I, I know that's a pretty general question, but do you see something that comes up a lot? Um, well, mainly it's people, people have, so, so you look at say like a Jess Lockwood, uh, chase outlaw, those type of guys naturally bring in the attitude of you can't beat me and I'm going to do whatever it takes to win. Whereas most of the time, what I see is, is guys underestimating their own ability. Um, they're capable of more than they think they are, but they don't realize that. And so kind of opening their eyes to what they're actually capable of and what they can really do um, seems to be the biggest thing that, that we come across. It's just not, not realizing what we're capable of. But then when you get a guy like, like Chase or Jess or Derek or Eli, you know, basically all these, all the guys on my team that have been top level guys, their, their attitude is, is, it's so fun to work with because it's different. It's a killer mindset that not everybody naturally has, but they do. I think one of my favorite guys ever on tour is Derek Kobaba. I mean, yep. he's just, he's just funny. He, you know why? He reminds me of Michael Gaffney a little bit. And for a strange reason, you know, the reason is he's the nicest guy in the world and the fans, he smiles and he can float the F word like just smooth. Remember Gaffney? <laughs> Gaffney was famous for that. I shouldn't reveal that, but I think I have any. <laughs> That's Kobaba. But on the other hand, I think Derek Kolbaba, as far as great bull riders that I've seen, is the streakiest bull rider I've ever seen. I've seen him buck off 19 bulls in a row. Why is that just that when he bucks off a couple, that uncertainty creeping in? Or what's he battling there when that happens? Um, you know, it can sure be that. You know, it's bull riding guys look at it as a your confidence is based on what you've done lately. So they figure, oh, I've rode a few in a row. I'm I'm riding good, so I'm confident. I bucked off a few in a row. Well, crap, can I still do it? Um, I can't really tell you exactly why right. Kobaba what has been streaky, right? Um, but I know that even when he was streaky, he'd have like a stupid amount of seven second bull rides. So it wasn't a a, a mechanical issue. It wasn't a, something his, he was doing wrong in his skills. It was basically just that motivation. Especially you see guys that have been around forever. And I've been guilty of it as well, where you kind of get complacent, you get comfortable, you think, oh, this is just what I do. You, when you quit craving it, when you quit craving it, the results are going to go down. And we've seen that with a lot of long careers. At some point or another, guys get complacent. And if they don't get motivated again, that's the beginning of the end. Yeah. Yeah, there's been guys that I've always said, the greatest 7.4 second bull rider I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you hate to be that guy. You want to be the world champion, <laughs> seven second guy. I'm hearing a lot of coaches on the background. We have being down there on TV, uh, and I wear a earpiece, so I hear it. And they've put microphones on a lot of coaches, and there's two or three yeah. now. I hear ride him for ten seconds. Ride him for ten seconds. hundred oh, <laughs> percent. It seems like an easy thing to say, but that's that to me as a track coach. You don't quit at the finish line. You run yep, 10 run, meters yep. past the finish line. Same thing. That's a very small thing that can have good good return on the investment there, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Like you said, you don't run to the finish line. You run through it, and that's 
same actually exact analogy as I've told these guys, like the whistle is our finish line. You're not running to it. You get past it and you go as hard as you can past it. And then, then you're done. Yeah. Uh, I think it applies. It applies in a lot of sports, right? Like you, you have to go past the goal in order to be successful. Yeah. Jess Lockwood. I've told people for years that they they've worried about Jess Lockwood, whatever, it, it, whether it's health, but I've told him he was a state champion wrestler in Montana. Mm. And I've always said, if it comes down to two guys, because I was, I'm a sports guy and I was an athlete in other sports. I tend to give the edge to guys that were in other sports that were good in other sports. Do you see when you work with guys, do you see a difference in guys that have dealt with either wrestling football is there an edge there because they know how to train and win? What do you say? See, I think there's an edge mainly because they're more so aware of their uh, their body position. If all you know is one thing, if it, it limits you, I guess a little bit is what is my thoughts on it. If but if I know how to play football and baseball and wrestle, well now I just have my body knows how to do more things. It's more capable of moving different ways, and uh, it's beneficial. You know, the interesting thing is. Um, so Nashville's got a practice rider named Dustin Ortiz, the I've MMA fighter. I've seen him. I didn't yeah. know. That's who he is. I saw him yeah, with the a little... shirt that said Ortiz and he's got a beard. Yep. Dang yep, it. I couldn't fi- Okay. Yeah. So he's got the record for like the fastest knockout in the, I don't know if it was the UFC or what fighting organization he was with at the time. It was stupid fast. You can look it up on YouTube. Um, but anyhow, he, he came to one of the Western sports foundation trainings that we did down there in Pueblo at the PBR Mm -hmm. sports performance center had never been on a bull, a barrel or nothing. And you could take that guy and I could show him something on the barrel and he would do it better than guys that have been riding bulls for five years, just because from his background in MMA and being an athlete, he could, he could replicate what he saw. And so I get, if, if you give that guy enough time, he'll ride bulls really, really well, but he's starting late. He's a little older. He's still fighting. So we'll see what becomes of it. But it's kind of an interesting thing to watch, to watch him. Cause he does have a lot of natural ability to do what you show him to do. You know, there was a, there was discussions and I've always said, I think it would be interesting to bring a, you know, pick a guy <clears throat> that's kind of that ultimate size, maybe five, six, one forty, whatever, five, seven, one fifty, whatever. Um, yeah a gymnast from China or something start from scratch, no bad habits and see just as an experiment. And that Dustin Ortiz kind of an, kind of that experiment, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I wish he was like 18 instead of 30, whatever he is, <laughs> but it's uh yeah, I've thought the same thing. You've seen the, the Cirque du Soleil shows in Vegas. I'm sure. Yeah. Think about if you took one of them little, them little spider monkeys and taught them how to ride bulls. <laughs> I mean, it might, it might put all of us out of business. We'd be the, uh, it's the Cirque du Soleil PBR show. Well, well, we've, we've talked about different guys, you know, everybody thinks, I don't know that people in cities think because they always think you just wander into bull riding, but it would be fun to see those people. But a guy like Sean Willingham was in the PBR forever. He didn't come from a ranching background. He was a basketball player, wakeboarder. You know, so you had that balance, core strength. We do. We have had guys like that that started yeah. a little later. 
Oh. Yeah, they exist. We just need to convince them to do something really dangerous. That's the hard part. We need to come and we need to convince them to hang around a bunch of cowboys and do a lot of stupid stuff and they'll be in, man. <laughs> what are you talking about? Cowboys don't ever do anything. No, dumb. never. No. Hey, I, so we leave the other day, we leave Anaheim, California. I'm in Orange County. I don't know if you saw, we were on the same flight, but I look yeah, back yeah. and in the, in the line. Luke Snyder, who's one of the coaches for the Missouri team, is in line. He's got his hat kind of tipped back, sunglasses on, standing in line. I'm like, wow, it's like 2007 again. (laughs) (laughs) Luke, oh, that's funny. Anyway. Yeah, I've enjoyed having everybody around. It's like like the band got back together, you know, all the... (laughs) all the guys that, that I used to compete against now we're still competing against each other just in a different way. And I, I've really enjoyed it. I think them guys have too, especially like, you know, to be, have Gaffney back and stuff like, yeah. how could you not like Gaffney? I know. Yeah. Impossible. You know what it's shown me is how many of you old bull riders needed a job. I mean, <laughs> that's no kidding. That's no kidding right there. You're still right. trying to figure out what I want to do when I grow up. It's a, I, you say, you just said the exact same thing I was thinking. I mean, I, I'm on the back of the shoots interviewing Michael Gaffney. You and Cord are on the other side. Uh, J.W. Hart, Ross Coleman. And, I mean, it is, it's old times because people should know that whole celebration that football players are still doing where they run to each other and just jump and bump in the air. We were doing that before. I mean, it, we weren't chest bumping the old way. We were the originals on that, That's I right. think. I'm going to take Oh, geez. The OG. Oh, geez. Do you? <laughs> I usually, my memory on that kind of stuff is really good. Do you remember how that started? What was the story I, there? I don't, like. Really, we kind of—I think it was kind of the, the the team enterprise era, yeah. And and I was running out there, and maybe you shoulder checked me or something, and that's what it turned into. I kind of remember it just happened by accident somehow. Yeah, I could jump high then. I look at pictures of it now. I have, yeah, you, I have some pictures. I that was my my goal was to never let you jump higher than me. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> So, so well, you look- did pretty damn good at it because I don't think I ever got hired. <laughs> so, all you, I was looking at some stuff before we did that this morning as we record this because you had some battles with the Bull Troubadour, your world mm-hmm. title year, and I think it was Fresno. You were like ninety four and a half points on Troubadour, and I ran up and jumped to do, and you just stepped to the side, <laughs> and I flew by like smartass. <laughs> Like, come on, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got to change it up. You know, keep you guessing, especially when you're jumping over my head every time. Sometimes I just don't didn't have the energy in me to try. <laughs> um, you, it seemed like, because I, what do you write right now? How old are you? You're not even 40, right? No, no. I'll be 37 here in a couple of weeks. You, you retired relatively early. We all felt like you were still visibly healthy. Um, but were you healthy? Was I've never really talked to you about it. Was there concussion issues? Tell me about that decision to move on. Yeah. Um, so I guess in bull rider terms, I was relatively healthy. I have had surgeries about every year for quite a few years before I retired. But um I never, I didn't retire because I really wanted to. Um, 
I don't know. I may have not ever told you about, about the tumor I had in my neck that really messed me up. Um, and so let's see, the last PBR finals I rode in was 2014. And early in uh, January 2015, I started getting these terrible migraines, kind of kind of playing with my head. We didn't really know what was going on. Um, shortly after that, uh, my balance, eyesight, and speech all fell apart, like instantly one day. And um, took two years. Well, at first they thought I had a stroke. So we went and did all these tests or, you know, did a test. They decided it wasn't a stroke. So then they thought it was concussion related. So they're doing all this other concussion stuff. And I didn't think it was that well, this whole time, my balance is so messed up. I couldn't even drive a car. My vision was so jacked up. I couldn't see more than 15 feet in front of me. And then I was slurring my speech. So to look at me, you'd think I was drunk all the time. And it stayed that way for a couple of years. And they finally ended up finding a tumor in my neck that was wrapped around my carotid artery. And, uh, and that's what was screwing screwing me up. So they took that out and it did improve. Like a lot of things are, are great now, but my, my vision still isn't quite normal. It's, it's really good, but it's not quite what it was. Um, anyhow, I came back and rode some bulls after that, but I just couldn't keep my body together. It, I ever, I get on two bulls and have to go get surgery on something. And I just decided that was, that was it. But I feel like if my vision would work like I wanted, like I would like it to, I'd still be able to ride, mm. but it's just, I'm just not quite as clear as it used to be. And I can't see things as well. And I was getting myself in trouble on the back of bulls. I, re so. I remember hearing about the process of something was wrong. Then you tried to come back, but health didn't allow it, but never heard the whole story. You know, everybody's got whatever happens in this world, in our world, especially yeah. everybody's got a different story. Um, also, you know, the sad part about that is I did hear about things and we don't know what's wrong with Lostro. The sad thing that, that I need to be better at is like, I should have called you, but when, as I have kept working and guys have retired, I lose track of people that were sincerely my friends and you do, you, everybody goes their own way. That, I think that's a hard part of this business. Honestly, I feel like you and I and Michael Gaffney and Tater Porter, we're close with all mm -hmm. our stuff. And when people go, I'm going to keep going. You do your thing. That's hard to me. Like, yeah, I don't like it either. It's just like, it's life. You know, life just gets people that way. You split ways. You're both doing life. You kind of lose track. And, uh, if you, if you put in the time to call everybody you wanted to, you, that may be all you ever did every day, you know? Yeah. But it, I'm glad I'm glad we're still around and still get be, being able to do this, especially <laughs> now, now with the team deals bringing everybody back together. So it's yeah, it's fun to have guys back. You so that tumor you had, there was no indication that was a residual effect of anything in bull riding. It was a, a naturally occurring, or do you know? Um, yeah, so they it was benign, which was good, so it wasn't wasn't cancerous. But uh, they they only see it at higher altitudes. Um, the doctor told me it's not a rare tumor, but it's not terribly common. And they only see it like West of the Mississippi that they have no idea why and it's called a, it's called a carotid body tumor. Um, hmm. and yeah, I, I don't know, just a weird deal. And I don't, I don't think it's back anyway. I haven't been checked out <laughs> since then, but I feel good. You seem to be able to see me. Okay. This past weekend. 
Hey, kind of. Yeah. I just it's just your shape, you know. It's good though because if I can't see your face, I'm not disgusted, and it's just better for all. Just of better for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you ever? I know this probably doesn't matter to you at all, knowing you like I have. Do you ever feel like when we talk world champions and greats of all time in the PBR, the one thing you were never you never had an ego. Maybe you did hidden in there. You were never flashy except you and me with our big bumping celebration. You ever feel like you get lost in the list of great bull riders of all time in the PBR just because you weren't as flashy? Or do you care? Um, yeah, I mean, maybe, I suppose, yeah, probably. My name doesn't get brought up as much as it could, but it doesn't bother me any. Like, there's a lot of great bull riders that never won a world title that probably rode better than several of us world champions, and they don't get mentioned at all. Um, but yeah, I, I was just never my thing. Right. You knew me. I just, I was there to do my job and do it well and fly under the radar. And, uh, I never, I never liked all the, the lights and stuff a whole lot anyway. So if I could stay away from them, that was fine with me. Uh, I probably should have done a better job with that stuff, uh, as a world champion, but yeah, it's, it's what it is. It's in the past now. It's funny because you, you've always been good media. Like I knew, I mean, Logan's sitting here helping me. You've, uh, I was very comfortable asking you to do this and knew it would be rewarding and fun because you're all, you've always been good with media. And to me, that's a huge thing. Um, you know, you're working with Cord McCoy right now. I call Cord McCoy the most popular and famous mediocre bull rider we've ever had in the PPR. <laughs> uh, oh, I know. And he hates it. He always told me when he was on the Amazing Race and we'd go, we'd go travel and, and people would get up, come up for his autograph. They always wanted it because they knew, knew him from the amazing race. And he told me one day, I just want to be recognized as a bull rider and not a racer. <laughs> <laughs> what you learned anything about Cord McCoy that didn't, I mean, that guy is thankful for life because, mm. you know, he went through being in a coma, kicked in the head. And he always says, I'm just, every day is a reward to me. I should be dead. But every once in a while, that's got to, everybody has a crappy day. That guy just doesn't seem to or doesn't let you know that. Um, yeah. I don't think he does have bad days. I think a bad day for, to him is just a choice he makes. Is that's it. That's it. Huh. You guys are a good, you're a good, you compliment each other as far as that team goes. Because he's, you ever, you ever seen Cord talk to me? He just goes, yep, yep, whoop, whoop. He doesn't even say anything. And he's there smiling and you bring a little deeper thing. Are you finding you guys that compliment each other pretty well there? I think so. Me and Cord work together great. And part of it goes back to the enterprise. He was a team enterprise guy That's right. too. That's right. Um, so we've been teammates before. We've traveled together, roomed together. Uh, it's not like I'm joining forces with somebody I know nothing about. Like me and Cord know exactly how to work together. So it's a good, a good combination. You know, he is lighthearted and, and always happy and 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 maybe i'm the dick in the in the <laughs> in the good, coaching good cop world. bad cut it's good cop bad yeah cut. there we go good cop bad cop that's it <laughs> um when you uh, i'll backtrack a little because i wanted to bring this up you we were scheduled to do this you asked for an extra hour which means nothing when people are watching this i'm leading to some hey can we do it a little later i gotta go get one of our guys from the airport and i'm bringing him to our place a guy on your team 
who did you bring to your place for the week? Yeah. So I went and picked up uh, Briggs Madsen this week to come here and, and train, just train at my house. Like it's, he's staying here. We're working out here. We're riding or we, we're doing everything here. So, uh, Briggs was kind of a surprise um, draft pick when, when we picked him in the draft for the PBR teams because, you know, he hadn't been on tour. He's relatively young and experience-wise um, just didn't have a lot of experience. But we'd seen him ride and talk to him. And, man, he's top-notch dude, just salt of the earth. He's got a ton of potential, rides really good. But uh, these first three events in the team deal has have been kind of rough for him. You know, hadn't been riding like he can, so – when uh the last night of kansas city i said briggs what are you doing this week he said just working because he helps his uh, dad with his concrete company sure doug his dad's name that's is doug. doug yeah yep yeah. there you go uh anyhow so said well why don't you come to colorado and we'll get you riding good for before nashville and i expect uh, this week is gonna change change the season around for him so what's a day for him when he comes to cody lostro's place when he comes to cody cody lostro uh boot camp inc uh what does a day consist of, and are you working more physical or up here on breaks? Yeah, so we're going to work physical and mental and just, you know, just all around mindset, being immersed in, in the job that, that he's here to do, ride bulls. Um, so anyhow, we picked him up. I picked him up this morning. We've been in the gym this morning uh, working on his, just the mechanics of, of his riding. I, I saw a couple things that we needed to fix. So we're fixing that. And right now, as we're doing this podcast, he's out there working out. And uh, when we're through here, we're going to go get some hay and come back and, uh, and ride some horses and do some more stuff there. Um, all this physical stuff we're doing, the whole time we're doing it, I'm talking I'm talking the mental game too, right? Like our mindset, our perspective, how we're looking at things and how we're going about them. And, uh, you know, I've been – I've done basically done the same thing with some other guys, and by the time they, they leave, their, their world is – drastically different on the way they view things and, and how they're about to go do their job. Huh. If I come there, can you make me funnier and younger or no? Um, no, no, man. I, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't got into that line of work yet. <laughs> well, Brandon Bates you can do Botox though. I can inject you. Oh, you can. Well, you're yeah. Thanks. Do I you do both? You suppose I can, I suppose I can give a cow a shot. I can, I can give anybody a shot, right? <laughs> Hey, I, if I can't, my vet surely can, because I use my vet more than my doctor to work on me. So <laughs> That's usually how it is. That's usually yeah, no, for real. You'd be surprised how many bull riders, like, oh, I need to go to the doctor and get this done. No, I'll just go to my vet. He'll do it way cheaper. And Yeah, it happens a lot. Revealing the secret life of cowboys across the world. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, when, when Bates, when Brandon decided on Briggs Madsen he said he reminds me so much of Jess Lockwood in his mm -hmm. mechanics built exactly the same I mean frame wise it's all there what a you know he a lot of people don't know he there was a chance he wasn't going to walk again it wasn't high school it was a saddle bronc riding accident wasn't it with Briggs and broke his back he's come through a lot yeah yeah the fact that he's walking is huge and the fact that he's riding bulls again is half halfway mind-blowing um because yeah he shouldn't he, it should have ended his whole course in life right there but it man it says a lot for his work work ethic too because it wasn't easy to come back from that he just yeah. crushed his lower spine pretty much yeah i've known that kid since he was this big 
through oh no kidding junior high rodeo with my girls he's kind of in my between age of he's about shelby's age my oldest daughter so that whole family for one it doesn't hurt that he comes from one of the greatest families they're so nice you know and brother sister i think i mean there's a lot of them he's from utah there's a lot of them you know yeah yeah (laughs) so um when you set out in the pbr when you you said if when you said I want to be a world champion, to be a world champion, I need to do this. I need like was there a certain thing? I guess if I I'll let you answer the question, but when I look at you, I think your whole thing was just steadiness. Level, consistent. What did you set out to do to win a world title? Yeah, so winning a world title, I feel like is a little different journey for everybody. And and I didn't know exactly how to get there, right? I just knew if I if I'm consistently win more than everybody else, I'll accomplish that goal of winning a world title. Um, and I'll tell you a short story of kind of how that came to be in real life. Um, when uh, what year Galeramy won the world in 2008, mm-hmm. and so that year I was coming into the finals like second or something i was having yeah. a great year and the chance to beat galeramy and then at the finals i just focused on you know just the wrong things too much things too much stuff and i made some good rides but didn't compete like i should have and and you know didn't beat galeramy and it wasn't that fun to be honest with you like it was just stressful didn't didn't enjoy that finals that shouldn't be like that normally when a guy's having the most fun that he can have is when he's riding the best so after the finals I'm like, I need to break this down into a way that'll work for me. And so I was actually on an elk hunting trip with, with Shorty Gorham and we were hiking up this steep, steep mountain and, and like it sucked, right? Like my legs are burning, my lungs are burning. It's cold. We're in snow. And, but I knew I had to get to the top of the mountain and I was like, all right, I got to focus on what I can control. And the only thing I can control is just keep taking one step, another step, another step. And that became my focus. I just got to take one more step. And that's the only goal that matters. Getting to the top doesn't matter. It's just this one step right now. And I got to the top and I, I don't know, it was almost like it just hit me. I was like, golly, like I can apply this mindset, this short goal mindset to riding bulls. So I went and broke it down. All right, to win a world title, I've got to win events, right? And to win events, I've got to get high scores. And to get high scores, I've got to ride my bulls. And to ride my bulls, I've literally got to do it one jump at a time. And everybody's been told that bull riders since they were little, you know, it's just one jump at a time. It's one jump at a time. But that's when it actually became real for me. Like if I become obsessed with just the jump that's in front of me and the bull that's in front of me and do that my very best every time, I will get to my ultimate goal. But if I focus on that ultimate goal all year long, I can't focus 100% on this little short-term goal that's right in front of my face. I can just reach out there and grab it time and time again and make it to the top. Um, and so, yeah, an elk hunting trip uh, in New Mexico with Shorty is literally what what showed me the mindset that I needed to k- take forward to win a world title. And, and it was a game changer. Game changer for sure. Uh, yeah, that... That is it, it, but that happens a lot where it's something else in life that makes you go. 
a uh, couple questions. Number one, did Shorty talk the entire hike up that? Down or no? <laughs> And, no, no, I think he was out of air just as much yeah. as me. It was pretty silent. He was worse than you because you're used to elevation a little bit. So, and at number two, did you get an elk? Uh, yeah, yeah. Me and Shorty both got got elk there. There you go. Look, and at- and Shorty will never let it die. I forgot about it a couple times now. But have you ever heard of um, uh, short sheeting somebody? Yes. Yeah. Or you, you pull, pull the sheets up? Oh my god! You did it, huh? Damn. Yeah, well, I, I, I didn't really know Shorty all that great, like aside from the bull ridings at that time. But I I had the opportunity, so I short-sheeted his bed. And then I went to bed and I waited, I don't know how long, for him to to climb in. And then I think he had been had a few whiskeys or something no, before he got in. So no, he you're mistaken. So confused. <laughs> so confused. He's like, what the hell is going on here? And I hear him kicking around trying to get in his bed. Anyhow. <laughs> I I got a good laugh out of it and then forgot about it. And every time we talked about that hunting trip, he brings that up as that and, he got short speeded. And that just reminded me that I completely forgot about you. You were the worst practical joker. I'm not a practical joker. I don't do it. I don't want you're the you and you and Dustin Elliott. Who were you were terrible practical joker, weren't you? Constant? No. You, you, I think you're saying the wrong word. You mean best. The, oh, the, the best. best. You're the yeah. best practical joker. <laughs> who did you get? Who, who, who was your victim the most? Or did you go back and forth with well, someone? No. Well, me and the guys I traveled with, uh, you know, me and Dustin Elliott always give it to each other. Um, Josh Cochell, I would always play jokes on him. Jordan Hupp, Cord, Wiley, Peterson, Corey Wiley. Barber. You know, there's been a plethora of guys. We've got Wiley good. We convinced him that there was a wolf wearing a jacket in in Idaho one time. Like he legit thought this wolf somehow got a coat. On. I remember that. <laughs> so, yeah. Did you see uh, it? Did you see the wolf? Or? It, the wolf was me. I was wearing like a Burger King plastic wolf mask on, and it was cold. So I had my coat on, but it was dark and he was shining a light on me. And he thought a wolf was running around with somebody's coat on his back. Uh <laughs> But anyhow, yeah, the, the practical jokes, we could have a whole episode about, about the jokes. Uh, you heard about the Sasquatch suit when I, I put on the Sasquatch suit and scared them guys. And then they shot at me. Oh, they shot at you. Yeah. No. Todd Pierce. Todd Pierce shot at me. So where was that? In Idaho as well. It might've been that same trip. Maybe the year after. Uh, Just happened to have a Bigfoot suit with you or. No, so you remember the the PBR when we went up to uh, Alaska to Anchorage and Fairbanks? Yeah, I didn't go, but I remember, yeah, yes. Yeah, so there was a costume uh, shop up there in Anchorage, and they had a certified Chewbacca costume from Star Wars. I don't know what, I don't know how you certify a Chewbacca costume suit, but that's how they were selling it. And so anyway, my wife hated me for it, but I spent 400 bucks on this Chewbacca costume because I thought I could have a lot of fun with it. And up there, I, I don't I don't remember if we did anything up there with it, but then I took it to Idaho and came up with this elaborate plan where I had some guys in on the plot and we went way back, rode horses for, you know, eight hours back into the mountains and we're camping for a few days. There was a lot of wolves back there. And so um, I was going to go to bed early and then a group of guys was going to go out uh, looking for wolves at night. And the plan was when they went out, I was going to put on that, 
Chewbacca costume, get out in front of them. And, you know, we'd, we'd make this big joke. So I, they, I go to bed, they take off, I get out and get out ahead of them. And I'm in my pre-positioned spot and I see the lights coming down the trail. It's, it's dark, it's nighttime. So I kind of get their attention. I'm up on the hill doing, doing Bigfoot Sasquatch type things. And, uh, <laughs> it, and Cause you know, it. you know what those things are. Just, oh yeah, you know I've I've watched it. Bigfoot hunter, they never find him, but they they know what he does, right? Um. So anyway, I'm doing my Bigfoot things, and they finally see me, and and they're trying to figure out what it is. I can hear them talking. They're like, "It's a moose." No, it's a bear. And then somebody says, "Somebody says it's a homeless guy." I think. And uh, anyhow, I'm I'm just getting a kick out of it, right? All of a sudden, a bullet cracks by, and and if you've ever had a bullet crack by it you don't hear the boom of the gun. You hear the, the sound of the bullet, you know, breaking through the air as it goes by. And, and I knew exactly what it was. And then boom, here come another one. So I stood up and just took off running over the side of the Ridge. And I got to set this up for you. So I'm in a, a hairy, a lot, a hairy suit. I mean, a lot of long hair. And as I'm running, this hair is falling over my eyes and my face and I can't see it's dark. I have no flashlight. So I'm just running wide open down a mountain off rocks into trees just to try not to get shot um i get down to the river run back to the cabin take off my suit and i'm i made it you know they didn't kill me well here not 15 minutes later travis briscoe comes busting into the cabin he said cody you got to get out here bring your rifle there's some creature we don't know what it is and he's freaking out uh i told him leave me alone so he leaves the cabin I put the suit back on and go out the other side. And as he's coming around the corner, I jump out of a bush and tackle him. <laughs> uh, he pulls, he pulls out a knife, a big one and is, and he's backing up like as fast as he can go. And I couldn't help it. I'm laughing my ass off at that point. And I took <laughs> off the mask and I'm laughing. And he says, Cody, I could have killed you with this thing. I said, uh, well, the last thing I'm worried about is you killing me running backwards with your knife. <laughs> but um, they they could have shot you, man. Yeah. So as it turns out, the guy that was shooting at me knew it was me. He was in on the joke. What? But he, yeah. He thought if he shot, he was missing me on purpose. He thought if he shot at me, it would make it more realistic, but, but missed. <laughs> um, so, so anyhow that, yeah, that, that was not a good choice on him, but to top it off, there was a guy we didn't know in just happened to be in on the trip and he's from that area and his whole life he's believed that Bigfoot is in those mountains no his kid. whole life he's been looking for him he said when I stood up on two legs and took off running and the way the light shone off of my fur and everything uh he said his heart just stopped and he knew that was it and he was trying to wrestle the gun away from from the guy that that was knew it was me but missing on purpose is a, a stupid thing but it turned into a great story I'm glad I didn't get killed the greatest practical joke almost gone wrong in the history of the almost. world right there yeah but todd pierce he, see i didn't know <laughs> yeah. that part i guess maybe i missed that part i remember yeah missing you on purpose no knowing todd pierce trying to miss you he probably would have hit you so yeah yeah he may have been shooting at me and that was just his excuse he said he was trying to miss i don't know yeah well but uh, uh but yeah the practical jokes never ended i got 20 years of them and they're probably there's still plenty yeah. going on yeah, that's funny that one little mention of short sheeting shorty gorham's bed and reminded me that's right 
he's the best slash worst practical joker of all time. Because I hate practical <laughs> jokes. People can't believe that with the job I do, that I hate practical jokes. Hate them. Yeah. Because it's a con- you never can win. You never get ahead. It's always going to get you. You're always looking over your shoulder. I don't need that in my life, Cody. I don't need Okay. It. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll keep them away from you. That way, that way you don't get angry. You do them and just relay it to me. Okay. Yeah. You got it. Um, <laughs> you were talking about world final stuff. Just So I went back to look. So you were the world champion in 2009. Do you know two, three, four, and five that year? Two. Was JB three? Was Galeramy four? This this was, was the one. Probably Valderon. Yeah, I wouldn't have got that one. Do you, All like, right, five and five. Austin Meyer. Mm, five is the greatest bull rider to never win a world title in the PBR. Robson Palermo. Robson Palermo. That's two, three, four, five. And looking back now, am I right in saying you? In the championship round, you bucked off your bull at seven and a half seconds to ride every bull and also win the world finals title. All right. Yeah, that's correct. Mm. Yeah, voodoo, voodoo child pulled the rope out of my hand right at the whistle. And uh yeah, didn't get that last score, unfortunately. Yeah. So JB Mooney won the world finals. If I remember right, too, I'm trying to relive. We didn't know. So JB comes back, wins the, what we call the average, wins the aggregate, the world finals title. You bucked off at seven and a half seconds. I don't think we knew you won the world title. Did you know? No, no, I didn't. And I guess on TV, they already knew and and had announced it, but in, in arena, they hadn't yet. And Clint Atkins actually asked me this just yesterday or Saturday night, that same question. He said, did you know? before you got on that you'd want it. And I said, no, no, I didn't. Um, uh, so the first time I heard it for real for, you know, when it became real life is when Clint announced it in, in arena. That was JB Mooney was just a few points behind you to win his first title and then win three or whatever. So you spoiled it for JB. Nice work. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you, you know, there's so many of those. If it in 2006, if I would have rode, my short rumble at the world finals. All I had to do is ride him to win the finals. Um, Galeramy wins the world that year instead of Adriano. So you, the process of you doing something to take Adriano out would have jumped Galeramy. There's so yeah. many of those. There, oh, there's, yeah. And there's a lot of those where it's not the direct result of you outrode him. It's you took somebody else out of the running. That's not funny. Yeah, yeah those biscuit stealers will get you. The, yeah, because 07, you were sixth. You didn't really come out of nowhere, you know, and I like, you know, you decided, you know, you went on the elk hunting trip. Uh, that's what you did. You're yeah. sixth in 07 and fourth in 08. So you're making, you were getting up the mountain. You were almost there. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The riding was going the right direction, but there's always, seems like there's always that something that just kind of gets a guy over the hump. I mean, yeah. you look at Galeramy, he, he won second for three years in a row before he finally, finally won one. And, and you kind of forget how, how much Valderon was up there and you it, it's oh. fun it's fun to look back at the top 10 guys in the world I've discovered when there's people you know Robson was always there he had such shoulder issues won the world finals three times you know uh, Matt Bohan was top 10 guy Ryan McConnell was a top 10 guy Austin Meyer we knew that there's some mm-hmm. guys that we forget how good they were I had I had Paulo Krimber on here 
not long ago, and we forget how good that guy was. He was so good. Yeah, yeah. Paulo was, a, I mean, he was an animal, it, and he worked really hard at it too. He wasn't yeah. just a, a natural. But that's what I think is so interesting about bull riding in general, right? Like it's a "what have you done for me lately" type of sport. Like people forget pretty quick yeah. what happened in the past. You know, uh, you know. You know, Jerome, Jerome Robinson used to tell us about hmm. forgetting about you. Like we, those of us who work there, like he'd say, do you think you're irreplaceable? Like, well, no, not really. He said, I'll tell you how long it takes people to forget about you. Stick your <laughs> finger, stick your finger in a glass of water. Pull your finger out. The amount of times it takes for the water to fill in that hole. That's how long <laughs> it takes for him to forget about you. But then he always said this, but the one thing people don't, the one thing people forget, though, about you doing that job, when you pull your finger out, the level of the water goes down. I always thought that was cool. Mm. Yeah. Jerome was a wise man. He was, he was like a grandpa figure, figure to a lot of people. Yeah. He and everybody you talk to in our business, he had some effect. Oh, some, yeah. some influence or effect on somebody's career in that roundabout way, like we talked. Anyway, yeah, he was a good dude, yeah. but I would have to disagree with him. And I've said it forever. When you're the day you step away entirely from the PBR, I don't know who can fill those shoes. Uh, not, not to make your head any bigger, but <laughs> just say, just saying like, if there's one guy that's, that's irreplaceable, you're probably as close as it gets. Well, I'm going to come live with you and you're going to make me younger and funnier. So Okay, well, I'll get to work on it. Okay. Uh, are you raising bulls still? Do you have some bucking bulls? or? Yeah, what yeah, I've have? been raising them forever, and mainly I sell calves. Um, I've raised several that went to the PBR finals, but um, anymore I'm just kind of selling those calves as weanlings, and actually Cord McCoy buys a lot of them. Huh. And, uh, yeah, I like the breeding program side of things versus hauling a bunch of big bulls around, and then big bulls are aggravating. Yeah, you're, you're doing it the right way. You're doing the right yeah. way. Your, how old are your girls now? Uh, my girls are eight and 10. Oof. Yeah. Fast, fast. They've gotten to be that age. Yeah. You said before we started there starting as we record this, it's our first day. You've been homeschooling. They're in a good program. What, what do they like? Okay. School's one thing. And I know you and your wife probably have them nose to the grindstone. What else do they do? Are they cowgirls? Are they sports? What do they do? Yeah, so they're big-time rodeo girls right now. Uh, we were into the Bra Brazilian jiu-jitsu for quite a while. They were doing that, and my oldest was actually pretty darn good at it. Like, she won some tournaments and stuff. Um, and then now it's all rodeo all the time. Oh, they're just obsessed with it. So, oh, here we go. <laughs> I, know, I know you know what it's, what it's all about. Yeah, I do. Mine are 23, 21 now, and... They'll be there soon. So, well, be sure and tell everybody hello. And it is, I can honestly say, just, you don't say much. You kind of hang back. You and I talk a little, but you're right. I feel like that band, we're kind of having a reunion a little bit. I like it. I like to see everybody. I like to listen to everybody. It's It's been fun. And um, I appreciate you doing this. I appreciate what you're bringing to bull riding and the awareness that it's a very valuable thing in the mind deal. So, yeah, well, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you having me on here and it's uh good to be back around all my friends. Always. Thanks buddy. Appreciate it. Thank you. We'll see you.